All right, I got lots of stuff up here to go through today here, so I feel like I'm a professor coming up here with books and all sorts of good things. I want to start out by doing a baby dedication for Carson James Schroer, and his mom and dad are going to come up here. And his mom and dad are Taylor and Taylor Schroer. And I'm going to give this to you, Taylor. This is his very first baby Bible story book. And that's a little certificate for him. Everybody wants you to step up here so everybody gets a chance to see him. He's wide-eyed. They tell me he doesn't nap. So they said he'd be awake. It's awesome. Baby dedication is a time for parents to tell their family and this church family and everyone in the world who cares that we desire to raise this kid in a godly Christian environment. Do you guys agree with that? That's why you're standing here today. That's why we're doing this today. Accountability is a part of this equation. By inviting these people today to witness the event, you're saying to them, hold me accountable to the verses that we're going to read today that are spoken over this child, and help me to raise them in a way that honors God. We're all a part of this today. We're just not smiling at a baby and just watching these young people here. We're, we're saying, yeah, we're going we're gonna to be in it with you. Because it takes all of us in a community like this to watch out for each other's kids. And I want you to do that for my kids as well. They probably need to be whacked a little bit. <laughs> Here's some verses that you guys shared with me and that I want to share with you guys. I want to speak the truth into Carson's life today. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9 says, Be strong and courageous, Carson. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. What a great verse. Another verse that I really like is 3 John, verse 4. It says, and this is for the two of you, I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. No greater joy for a parent, right, than to hear that my kids are following God and they've made it their own. That's my prayer for this guy. As I was sitting in my office this week thinking about this event, I went to my earliest recollection of you, Taylor. I remember when you went to Mexico with me on a mission trip, and you were in junior high, and that was like last summer. <laughs> and she was missing her mom and dad. And I walked over to her and handed her to my cell phone. I said, if you walk up the stairway right here, you can get a cell coverage service, and you can call mom and dad. But that was last summer. And now look at you. You know what? That's what's going to happen with Carson. You're going to turn around and he's going to start school. And you're going to blink an eye and he's going to go to college. So my challenge to you is to take 
every moment captive. When you have those teachable moments, you're going to teach them how to fish. You're going to teach them how to shoot a shotgun. But you're going to teach them how to live out his faith. And take those opportunities to teach him every time you get an opportunity. Because he will become strong. He will become what God wants him to be. And as I sat in my office and I prayed for this young boy, I said, God, give me a word for him that we can pray over him today. And God, give me a word. Carson, you are a fearless, fearless warrior for the king. Jesus, we want to ask that Carson becomes a fearless warrior for the king. That you give him power that only comes from you to serve you and to follow you with all of his heart and all of his life. And Lord, may he live out that term of a fearless warrior. A fearless warrior for your kingdom. We rejoice in that today. Thank you for his family that's here, the extended family. Thank you for the people that are here that are saying, we will hold this young man accountable. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Isn't that fun? Now, if you went to Mexico last summer, Taylor, uh, when did I do your wedding right here? Is that like last month? Wow. Time flies, doesn't it? And the older you are out here, the more you know that happens. All right. Well, we're going to switch gears here. How many of you saw a post on Facebook about what I'm speaking about today? How many of you were afraid to come to church today because you saw that Facebook post? I already got comments from some people. We're talking about Donald Duck next week? If you're not on Facebook or you haven't seen it, um, we're going to have some fun today. My daughter wrote a paper for literature class recently, and I don't know if, if you're like me, but when my kids are in like junior high and they start writing papers and you read them, and it's painful. You want to fix it? You're like, are you really, do you really, I mean, that doesn't make much sense. And you went from this thought to that thought, and how, where are you going with this whole thing? And. And they're proud of it, so you just kind of keep your mouth shut and just, you know, the junior high teachers understand it's a junior high writing that paper, so they give them a little grace. But um, the other day I was talking to Isabel about how her schooling is going, and she's in PSEO, post-secondary education opportunities, so she's doing some classes at Northwestern College as well online, and, and uh one of them is a lit class, and she said, well, I'm writing a paper right now, Dad. I'm like, oh. My mind goes back to the junior high days, you know. <laughs> and she says to me, <laughs> um, I said, well, what's it about? She said, the title of my paper is How Bigfoot Proves the Existence of God. Now, don't throw me off the stage for being a heretic <laughs> or my daughter out of the church for being a heretic, but listen to what I'm going to say today. I went, what? I want to read this paper. She goes, well, it's in a rough draft. I said, I don't care. I want to read it. 
Folks, I was blown away. And I'm going to teach you something today that is really, really cool. You see, in every culture around our world, cryptids exist. Now, I didn't even know what a cryptid was, and my kid's writing it in a paper. We've come a long way from junior high. A cryptid is something that we believe in our culture exists. Some of us believe it. An example of a cryptid might be Bigfoot. Or it might be a Yeti, or the Loch Ness Monster, or, I don't know, she had names of some other ones from other cultures, but I can't even pronounce them. So I, we're talking about this at staff meeting, and they said, well, let's pull this thing off of Kirsten's office and show what Hollywood thinks is a cryptid. So you can <laughs> take a look at Sully. He's supposed to be scary, right? I have another picture of a cryptid, or it could be. The title of my message this morning is, Can I Really Believe in God? <laughs> I'm not sure who took that picture, but that could be a cryptid. <laughs> Hollywood is great at creating these types of creatures that scare us, that create fear in our lives. We never really get a good look at them. We just get glimpses into these creatures. And they keep us guessing at what they really might look like. The opening paragraph, and i got to get rid of that picture of me because it's going to be distracting to me. <laughs> the opening paragraph in her paper talks about how we are created... Now get this, folks. We are created with an innate desire to believe in something we can't see. Our Creator has created us with that ability. But we as men think we're smarter and don't want to believe in a God, right? So we create a cryptid. That cryptid might be Bigfoot, it might be the Loch Ness Monster, it might be a UFO. And I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble today and you really do believe in Bigfoot. Isabel's got an uncle that believes in it. I said, well, now you need to read your paper to him. Explain it to him. But God created us with this ability and an innate desire to believe in something supernatural. It's God's way of reaching out to us to say, I'm here. But what do we do? We distort it because we have sin in our lives. The Apostle Paul wrote Romans, and he was an educated man, and he's trying to speak to educated people about God, and about who He is, and why we even believe in Him. And in the first part of that, Romans chapter 1, he says this, this letter is from Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, chosen by God to be an apostle, and sent out to preach His good news. God promised this good news long ago, through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The good news is about his son. In his eternal life, he was born into King David's family line, and he was shown to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the foundation 
of what we believe. Now we could spend a lot of time talking about various forms of cryptids and how they're perceived around the world. We like to look at, uh, I saw recently that somebody saw the Virgin Mary in a tree in Mexico. And somehow she was actually even crying. But our, tri- our mind plays tricks on us with those kinds of things. People see shapes and ideas and clouds. That's not the purpose of her paper, to show that there's these cryptids around the world. I'm trying to get you to think today about God. Does he exist? And what makes him different from some other cryptid that somebody else creates? Or some other God, small g, that some other culture creates? What is different about the God that we serve? The God that we're worshiping here today? You see, science will tell you that believing God is a trick your mind plays on your emotions. If you can't prove it, you can't see it, you can't touch it, then according to science, it doesn't exist. And so your mind plays a trick on you and creates something that you can believe in, that you can see. There's a scientific term for that. Another thing that I learned out of my daughter's paper, by the way, she's a junior in high school, And she's teaching me things that I'm learning. This scientific term is called H-A-D-D. And I'm going to read it for you because I won't remember it. Hyperactive Agency Detection Device. That's what we have. Hyperactive Agency Detective Device. In our human brain that helps us to rationalize or believe in something supernatural. We assign an agent to anything we can't explain. Now, if you go into research this concept, scientists will say that this is why we believe in God. Our brains create a cryptid or a small g, God, to appease our need to to believe in something or someone. But God created us with this function in our brains to make a way for us to believe in Him. We're going to get into some scripture that really, really lays this out for us. We believe in God, a supernatural being that created us and our universe. It's easy for us as Christians to see how that creator could create in our minds a way for us to believe. If you don't believe in God, then you just say that we as humans have this ability to believe in something that isn't real, and we rationalize it in our minds until it becomes truth. But here's where I want to take you to the Bible. I read for you Romans chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. That's Paul. But later on in the chapter, he unpacks a few things. And we start to look at life a little differently. Every one of us starts with a presupposition. If I were to say to you, how... Did the world begin? Most of us in this room are probably creationists. We would say, well, at one point, God spoke into being day and night. And then day two, God spoke into being stars and planets and galaxies. 
Day after day, he created water and land and life. And we believe in that as a literal seven days, right? We have faith in that. What about the person who believes in the Big Bang Theory? They have to have faith too. You see, their faith tells them at some point, somewhere, way, 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 a long time ago, a bolt of lightning or some sort of an electrode hit two little masses, brought them together, created a single cell amoeba, and then from that, evolution took over, and that's why we're here today. Now, we may laugh at that and say, well, that's ridiculous. It takes a lot of faith. It's faith, though, right? They have to start somewhere. We have to presuppose something. Everybody presupposes. I don't care if you're a scientist, you're a creationist, you're an evolutionist. Wherever you go, you start your existence with faith. Why can't we believe that God, who created us, could create in us a way to imagine Him? Wouldn't that make sense? Then why do we have Bigfoot? Here we go. Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. But God showed His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They have clearly seen His invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. You know, I have lots of friends who I talk to about Christianity. And they say, well, yeah, I, I believe there's a God. I, you know, I sit in a deer stand and I see His nature. And, you know, I see it when I'm out fishing. And, you know, that's, that's how I see God. Yeah, that's what it says right there, right? Paul says you can see God in nature, but there's more. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas, dare we say, cryptids of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused, claiming to be wise. Don't we all claim to be don't scientists claim to be wise? They became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols <laughs> made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. There it is, folks. Bigfoot proves the existence of God. It's right there. We want to rationalize it away by creating something. We call it an idol. Call it whatever you want, but in actuality, it's just our way to try to reach for the God that we don't know. I want to go back to verse 18. Because this is the heart of it. But God showed His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people. That's you and I, okay? That's not the bad people out that aren't in the building here. That's you and I. 
who suppress the truth by their wickedness. What does it mean to suppress the truth? How do I suppress the truth? Stop and think about that for a minute. The root of wickedness in our world is nothing more than a way for humankind to suppress God. Why did the Muslims kill people in Sri Lanka last weekend? Because they hate Christians? The root of it is they want to suppress God. Why does a murderer kill his victim? Why did this guy go into this Jewish synagogue yesterday in California shoot people? Because he hates Jews? No, at the core, he's suppressing God. At the core of my sin, at the core of your sin, is not that act. It's suppressing God. I just thought of this this morning, and I didn't have time to tell those guys back there to put it in, but in Exodus chapter 20, are the Ten Commandments. What's the first commandment? Have no other gods before me. When you have another god before God, what is that? Suppressing God. What's the next commandment? Taking the Lord's name in vain? He isn't really who he says he is. So I use it falsely. Observe the Sabbath day. When we don't observe the Sabbath day, it's suppressing God. Don't murder. Honor your father and mother. Committing adultery. Stealing. Every one of the Ten Commandments is suppressing God. At the core of who we are, when we sin, our wickedness is doing nothing more than suppressing God. Why do we do things in excess? Why do people drink alcohol in excess? Because they don't believe that God's the answer. And they're going to replace God with whatever they want to do in excess. Why did the Israelites make a golden calf? Because they wanted to worship cows? It's ridiculous. But Moses was on the mountain for 40 days, and after about a month, they're like, well, we don't even know if he's alive anymore, so we need to create something some sort of a cryptid that we can see with our own eyes and worship. And when we look at it now, it looks foolish, right? It's like, well, that's crazy. I mean, you, you made this thing. How, do you, how can you give it godlike powers? You just threw gold in the fire and out came this golden calf. But we do it every day by the stuff that we do in our sin. And we suppress the truth. We suppress God. Why do we struggle with believing that God can forgive us of our sin? Because somehow we believe that we got to do something. we got to do something more to somehow get God to like us and earn our right to be forgiven. Why do I struggle with feelings of inadequacy? Because somehow I think it's about me and not Him. At the core of all of our sin 
is our need to suppress God. We want to control God. We want to put him in a nice, tidy little box that we understand, that we can measure, that we can fully comprehend, that we can draw. God is beyond that. Can you believe in God? Yeah. Most of you know that about a year and a half ago, I was on my way to church one morning and a guy fell in the road in front of my truck. And traffic is going 60 miles an hour plus. He was at his mailbox and he fell down. I pulled over and I stopped and helped him get on his feet and Got him in my truck and took him to his house. Got him into his house. After church or after work that day, I went over to his house and knocked on the door and struck up a relationship with him. Began to minister to this guy. Some of you in this church helped me minister to him. He actually sat in this sanctuary right here and heard the gospel. But he's much smarter than that. You see, he was an educated man. He had a PhD. And he turned away from him. He said, I believe in science. And I believe in history. And everything I can know, I can learn. And this God-like cryptid that you're sharing, I know all about him. And a couple months ago, Mark passed away. And I believe he's met God. Well, I don't know if he ever prayed to receive Christ, and I firmly believe that he probably didn't because his education and his knowledge got in his way. Folks, that's a scary place to be. This is what Jesus says. Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. We all got to have faith, right? We all have to believe in something. We got to start somewhere in our belief. I believe that God created this earth, and I believe that Jesus came and died for my sins. You see, while Romans says, where am I at here? While Romans says that you can know God in creation, you can see Him. You go out tonight when it's dark out, and you can see the stars, you can see the galaxies, you can see His handiwork, you can see order to all those things. Folks, that is enough to know that there's a God, but that is not enough to save you. Because John 14, 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus says, no one gets to heaven, no one gets to the Father, unless it's through me. So while that knowledge is enough to believe that there is a God, it is not enough to save them. They need to know Jesus. And you need to know Jesus.
And you can't fill it with a cryptid. But God created you to believe in those things so that he could reach down to you and you could comprehend even for a little bit in our mind and grasp the supernatural. That's the God who we serve. He's not a cryptid. Childlike faith is what it takes. I don't know where I'm at in my notes here anymore. I don't really care. I was talking about this with Isabel over the weekend, and she wants to write a, a book on this. I want to encourage you guys to encourage her to do that. There's so much to unpack in this concept. But she's the one that said to me, God, you got or Dad, you gotta have childlike faith. And you do. And it brought me back to a memory I had of her. You we we as parents, you gotta be careful in how these cryptids come up in our kids' lives. We talk about Santa Claus. We talk about the Easter bunny. We talk about a tooth fairy. Seemingly innocent, right? But you want to see how that can sway our minds and our thoughts? Well, Isabel must have been about six years old, I think. And that's about when you lose teeth, right? She was losing teeth. and She lost a tooth. I'm still upset you guys never let me pull a single one of your teeth. You let your mother pull them, but I didn't get to pull a single tooth. Hurry up and have kids so I can start pulling their teeth. No, I'm kidding about that. So I said to her, I said, well, you better put that tooth under the pillow so the tooth fairy can come and give you a quarter or 50 cents or a dollar or maybe five bucks. It depends on who's putting the money under the pillow, right? So I went under her pillow that night, and she had in a nice little baggie, she had her tooth in there, and she had a note. It said, Dear Dad. <laughs> I know you're the tooth fairy. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> she says, I don't want any money, I just want a puppy. You want to believe in God, you got to have faith like a child. It's all it takes. We try to make it something it's not. We try to create something that isn't there. We try to create cryptids to somehow explain, rationalize what our brain is thinking and doing. But in actuality, all it takes is childlike faith. That's why a little kid can believe in God and have eternal life. You don't have to get to be a certain smart. And then, and then I can be a Christian. So can I really believe in God? Can you really believe in God? Yes. I would say that if you choose not to believe in God, you will believe in something. And does your cryptid have a plan for you after death? Or is your cryptid something that you fear 
Let's pray. Lord, what an awesome opportunity we have to serve a God who has created us with a mind who can even comprehend who you are. In your creation, you created that God. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for, in our weak minds, being able to even grasp that concept. Lord, as we go from here today, give us childlike faith. Help us to love you like a child loves you. Lord, give us opportunities to speak into other people's lives, to use this message to share with others that we know the one true God, the one that reached down, that created us with the desire to reach up to you. Thank you for this day. Thank you for the people that are here. Lord, I pray that our worship today would have been honoring and pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go and have a great day.